Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a very enthusiastic episode of the Romans Empire podcast. You know why? Christian Pulisic. <laughs> Boys, he is easily the best thing for America right now. <laughs> yeah, You're probably not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wait, wait. It's, wait. It's, well, wait, that's not the only good thing happening for us right now, okay? You, you guys hear that? You guys hear that? Yeah. I'm pulling up with the Barkley bus. Are you guys hopping in? <laughs> Are you guys hopping in or what? We're going full speed ahead. Oh, man. That, is, he, is he the greatest Chelsea player to wear the number eight jersey? I hate you so much. <laughs> I bet you that was that that was just for uh my my boy uh Rico. I hope he <sighs> understands. <laughs> I hope he doesn't think Shit. I was serious about that. <laughs> God, man! Listen, if the Barkley bus pulled up to a four way stop, it wouldn't know which way to go. That's exactly what happened <laughs> oh, on that four v one. A four v two. Yeah, come on, four v two. It wasn't four v one. Whatever. It might as well have been a four v one. He still oh, would have fucked it up. God. It mm. was. It, uh, my, my game notes I, I well well we're gonna get into it actually i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait yeah that that was i went a, a little bit ahead but i was just too excited to do that but 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 you to you totally deviated it. from christian pulisic which i was coming back to uh-huh is the best thing happening for america so this yeah, is I mean, th there's not a lot going is... right for us right now so that, that is that is quite refreshing <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is the only thing we have to look forward to. This is actually the only thing I've looked forward to for the last three months. And <laughs> and you know what dawned on me is when he scored against City, and I know we're going to get into it, that was the first time I saw him score in over six months. Actually, mm -hmm. more. Aston when was Villa. His... What? Or, or Villa, 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 sorry. But but <laughs> but still, like, like, like I, I mean, we. when was the last time he scored a goal before Villa? November or December? Yeah, so about seven or eight months ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're switching up our weeks. It's just I feel like with with quarantine and and uh, COVID, like just time is is non-existent. We have games on every day. Like I literally don't know what day it is today. Oh, it's crazy because the the thing that really tripped me out was French players are or like French league players are back in training. And for a second, I was like, oh, are they going back to their league? And it's like, no, it's tomorrow is – or the day after tomorrow is July 1st. Like, so you're supposed to be reporting your preseason. <laughs> like, we are – we should be in the middle of, like, everybody getting back into Cobham, but we're finishing right now. It's insane. The fact that the 4th of July is this weekend is still baffling to me. And we still have all of August, all of Champions League throughout August, which is going to be yeah. – something crazy i don't know how that's going to delay I, the start of next season i think it will like the season next season won't start until i think september like August, 9th like always no i think i think it's there they changed it to like first or second week of september oh okay. premier league that's fine because yeah because champions league isn't going to end until i think the end of august like 20 something yeah i don't know fun. it's it, it, it's really weird for me because Normally, when we have three months off, it's summer break. So, like, in a way, it does kind of feel like 
a new season. Like I was in the car today. I was listening to the Chelsea fan cast with like with Chidge. I mean, like the, the, like they're the best. So I listen to them every week, and um, and they were talking about Kovacic, and I was thinking to myself like, wait, did he play two or three seasons with us? Because like that that three month break through this whole COVID crap has just completely thrown me off. Yeah, like this my is, this is his third season actually with us now. It, it feels like. like a third season almost. Yeah, because it's he's going into like year number three, but he's still playing for year number two. I don't know. It's very odd. All right, let's get into the Chelsea City matchup. Well, that was definitely unexpected. I I had a very uh, somber tone going into it. Uh. I mean, before the match, Pep insinuated that the kids would play and, you know, De Bruyne would be out. And he really came out with the full, you know, full strength squad besides Aguero, (laughs) who was hurt because of knee injury. Like, and I saw the lineup, I was like, what, what's happening? I thought, I thought he'd concede it, but I guess not. I mean, and City had been coming off two really impressive victories, a 5-0 win over Arsenal and or sorry, 3-0 win over Arsenal, 5-0 over Burnley. Um, so, you know, when I saw that, and then I took a look at our lineup, I I did not feel that good. So we lined up with the 4-3-3, Kepa in goal, Dave, Christensen, Rudiger, and Alonso manning the back line, midfield of Barkley, Conte, and Mason Mount, and a front three of William Giroud and Pulisic. So it really wasn't what we expected. Uh <laughs> Andreas, you you uh, mentioned a starting lineup uh, like in our group text uh, a little bit like a day before the match, and I think Dylan uh, Dylan Morton, the homie um, at Dylan at CFC, uh, he also gave a really good lineup, very similar to yours. I forget exactly what you said, but it was not <laughs> what Frank had listed. So, uh, what were your guys' initial thoughts when you saw that starting eleven? Andreas, I'll start I mean, off with you. Yeah, I mean, we we spent a decent amount of time talking about how we were probably going to need Reese James on the right because we expected him to be better suited to keeping up with the likes of Raheem Sterling and such. And then we thought, okay, then that puts Aspie on the left. And... Last week, I told you guys I wasn't very impressed with the Rudiger Christensen partnership, and here we are again. Uh, I thought our midfield three would go back to the midfield three that last beat City, which was Jorginho Conte Kovacic. And my thought process behind that was that Conte in that more advanced role was extremely important to pressing City, Liverpool, these top teams for us to earn possession higher up the pitch. and. Here we are, attacking eights, Conte lone DM for Barkley instead of Kovacic and Jorginho. I, I had mentioned that Mount was probably undroppable at this point, so that one didn't really surprise me. But yeah, just no Reese James, no Kovacic, no Jorginho. It, it was it was a lot different than I expected. I I was nervous looking at this lineup. I did not. I did not think that we could possess out of the back with this lineup. Not that that was even part of the strategy, because I don't think it was. But I was very nervous that their high press was just going to eat us alive. And I'm being completely honest with that. Like, I I was not feeling good. 
Yeah, I saw I, I saw the midfield, and the first thing I thought was, "Where's Kovacic?" Um, he's usually one of our better midfield players in big matches. Um, so, so kind of seeing him not in there, that was worrying. And the first thought that popped into my mind is, "Okay, if we got Ross Barkley in there, that means we're definitely conceding possession." Come on. Um, and then you look up at the top, <laughs> and you're like, "All right." You probably have Tammy up there because, you know, if we're going to concede possession, we're going to want to hit him on the counter. No, we got Ali Giroux, who did it, who wasn't terrible. I mean, let's be honest. He wasn't, he, 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 he was decent. Um, but Frank opted to go with an interesting approach up top where um, he went with a classic target man that we know Giroux is. And he used Pulisic as a one man fast break wrecking crew machine, God, whatever you want to put there. Um, and and to be honest with you, probably should have had two or three in the match, um, but but it it was definitely an interesting lineup selection. Now, um, Pulisic's goal came off an error, so kudos to him for chasing that one down. That was just like a pure effort play. You know, coach always tells you to stick with the play until it's dead, and uh, and he reaped the rewards of that. But um, I think Frank got the starting lineup wrong, Andres. I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, Again, it seemed like our substitutions um, saved us. I thought when Kovacic came on in the midfield, um, we looked a lot more assured of ourselves. Um, we started gaining possession, started controlling the game a little bit more. Conte was starting to have easier passing lanes to play the ball out to. Um, and, I mean, you know, we wound up winning the match, and rightly so. I thought we, I thought we deserved it. Um, going to the back line really quick, because I thought that was the most interesting selection. I, I was the one that called for Reese James last week, too, and I was you know, pretty shocked not to see him here. Um, but to be honest with you, we didn't really see a lot of a, lo a, a, a lot of bonehead mistakes from them. Like they actually played pretty well. I thought Christensen was by far my man of the match um, behind Pulisic, of course. Um this was the best game he's played all season. The the composure on the ball, um, nobody got past him. And honestly, guys, the play I like the most is the play he got injured. That is ballsy as hell. And having a center back that's willing to do that is very. You daunting. mean when he got knocked out, basically? Knocked the <laughs> fuck out. But but here's the thing: the ball didn't hit him in the head. His head hit the ball. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I loved about it is is he knew what he was getting himself into when he did it. But, like, that partnership is starting to look a little bit more solid. I still don't think that's the perfect partnership for us because both of them are still pretty lightweight for me aerially. Um, but but the thing that impressed oh, sure. me most with Christensen was the way he's possessing the ball out of the back now. We're starting to see shades of the old Christensen again. He didn't well, really look too assured of himself in possession. Um, and, and, and seeing him play against City looked like shades of Conte. Yeah, here's why. Because just like... Dr. Frankenstein needed lightning to bring his monster to life. That shot rewired his whole brain, made him forget the Barcelona games and everything afterwards. Mm -hmm. And he, <laughs> like, it yeah. literally looked like he hit the reset button after he took that ball to the face. His eyes were, I don't know, like, they were in another world. Like, <laughs> I I can't believe that he stayed on the pitch for one. I was nervous amnesia. about that. And then when he, yeah, he comes back completely confident. You would have never thought that he essentially got knocked out by Mendy's shot. And you're right, completely composed, uh, smart on the ball, was reading the game well. I'm, 
yeah, he was the best defender. Like out of him and Rudiger, he was the, by far the best the best of the of the two. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's great great game for Christensen. I do want to say one thing though. Um, yeah. kudos to Christensen and Rudiger for keeping their composure with Keppa's distribution in this match. Good God. I I just I still don't understand him. I'm trying to. Um, I know he's this athletic springboard keeper that you know has you know this insane athleticism and ability to make these crazy saves. But even something as simple as playing the ball out of the back seems difficult for him right now. It's 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 uh, really I'll, I'll it's him, really I'll, concerning, guys. I'll give him a little bit of a break for this match just because of Man City's press. It was like unreal. Like really, he could only make two passes, either one through the air perfect had it would have to be perfectly placed on one of the fullbacks foot because i mean the way that they were covering them and also either that or like you said playing it uh to Giroux, like the target man because they were just pressing us so hard both of our center backs you know all of our midfield uh it, i think that i would have to give them a little bit of a break on this match just because of how city were lined up and covering everyone so like really the only thing he could do realistically was to give it to Giroud. and you know after you do that a couple times like they started to cover pulisic a little bit better you know who would be the one receiving the ball um but i don't i i think you're right though like it's it's definitely something that you know if he was an elite distributor then maybe those passes to the fullbacks would be a little bit easier for him but you yeah, don't want to really you don't want to go for that because of, you know like if it's not too high then uh you know either Mares or whoever's on the other side could easily just swoop in and take it you know so and he, he just, almost and he did he, he did yeah. that one time and it was a blunder and it was almost a goal um so I don't think he tried it again the rest of the match which you know is 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 I think a, you have to give credit to City for what they did with that yeah, it's 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 just some these are the types of teams that we're going to that he's going to have to rise to the occasion for if we plan on being a club with ambition, which we are. He's the world's but, most expensive goalkeeper. Yeah, to be to be fair, a perfect free kick is the only thing that went in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Right. I, I know I know that. I know that. But we just got done talking about how well we were set up defensively. Um, and, and how the two center backs put in one of their best performances of the season. So like, and, and let me preface that with open play because yeah, there was a free header from Fernandinho that mm. any other day gets, gets scored on and Kepa deflected that pretty well. So yeah, again, in open play, our defense was set up really well. Yeah, We are still gr- garbage when it comes to indirect free kicks, corner kicks, etc. Like, if so it doesn't make sense piece, to me. Why? Why is that the makes, case? Because we're I, not we're not good in the air. Our, our defensive midfielders five six. That. Our two center backs don't dominate aerially. The but, only time we ever look half decent on set pieces defending is when we have Zuma in the match. Other well, than that, it's it's not know. even that though, because it's not that the guys are both jumping and we get out jumped. These guys are wide open. So wide, yeah, I, yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I don't call it. If if it was a size thing. It'd be like, oh, okay, our guys jumped. They jumped further because they're three feet mm-hmm. taller. But but it's it's literally just an open man every time. 
we just don't have any we just don't have any brutes in there that are willing to take out two or three guys to get to the ball like and i'm saying that in all honesty we don't have that old school type of footballer that that just completely dominates on set pieces like i feel like all of the you know uh, bottom half of the table clubs yeah they don't have like world class footballers but they have brutes and that's why they're so successful at what they do on set pieces and it just seems crazy to me that a team with like 10 times the amount of talent and you know even 10 times the amount of wages can't can't seem to do something like that it's i don't know i think we yeah. need john terry you guys <laughs> like i said let's bring him back yeah after the villa <laughs> match you know they, they they might get relegated i mean he's he's not gonna want to stick around for too much longer we can definitely bring him in uh but let, let's let's move on so you mentioned the 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 kdb uh free kick that was really their only chance like now they're they're really all oh, their only like as far as like really real threats and also uh one sterling chance that hit the post which was a godsend but other than that most of the chances came from us i mean we had mason mount uh on a breakaway going for the near post uh barkley also had a had a chance christensen off the corner um, an amazing save uh and you know the list goes on but you know the moment of glory the spar <laughs> the star spangled man captain america in the 36th minute pulisic gave chelsea the lead after jumping at the mendy gundogan uh, miscommunication Give me your thoughts on the your on that goal, Zach. You already gave a little bit of insight, but I mean, I, for me personally, I was on a Zoom call <laughs> for the first half, and I was like one of the three, four people who had their camera on. So like, there's definitely people looking at me. So I, I tried my best to like keep my composure, but I like I made a face for sure like that because I mean, a goal like that against a team like that, and especially who it was scoring. Oh man, that was incredible, Andreas. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? I, oh my God, it was so. I live with a guy that's a Man City fan, so no you, way. He's yeah, a Man so, City fan. So you can believe that I was going <laughs> nuts. Um, whenever Pulisic stole the ball, my fear was well, Bendy did catch up to him, and I thought, uh oh, like is he gonna try to get too fancy? to beat Mendy, but he just did that hesitation step and boom, he's off to the races. The moment he took the shot, I, I literally just started screaming. I, my, I went, I, I got light, lightheaded. Like I really did. <laughs> I, it was insane. I, I truly think that any other one of our wingers would have tried to do too much to beat Mendy and that mm -hmm. chance wouldn't have happened. I, I even dare to say that hazard probably would have maybe slowed down a little bit and tried to, get play somebody through so for Pulisic to just have the the grit to do that and just go all the way by himself I was just like oh this is this kid's really this kid's really trying to show Frank like I'm I'm not leaving this starting 11 so it was awesome I legitimately just couldn't stop screaming I'm not gonna jump the gun here and I, and I kind of hinted at this last week but this is this is this really is, you know, the breakout party for him. I think, um, I think this is this is the point of his career that defines whether or not he's going to be that world class, transcendent talent that we all know he can be. 
And right now he's answering all the questions that have been asked of him. Um, you know, going into it, we were excited as Americans having an American Chelsea podcast. Of course, we were excited that he was coming. Um, but there was a lot of question marks around him for mostly the British uh, Chelsea fans and, and the Chelsea fans that aren't as familiar with U.S. soccer. So, um, and, and and to be honest, guys, it's understandable because if you look at if you look at his you know uh, Bruce Dortmund days and his seasons by numbers. Um, doesn't score a lot of a goal, didn't score a lot of goals, and didn't provide a lot of assists. He was productive, but he didn't blow anyone out of the water. And at one point, he wasn't even in the starting 11. So for us to go shell out 55, 60 million, whatever it was to go get him, I could understand why some Chelsea fans had question marks. Um, but it's so nice to see him step up to the plate with all of that pressure um, because. I, I think we understand how much pressure it actually is to play for Chelsea. Maybe not to the extent of, oh, like we've actually been on the field and done it, but we've seen football Twitter. It's a shitty place. Um, and 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 we've seen, you know, punditry and just the general media narrative that has driven behind Christian Pulisic. Luckily for us, it's been positive because his performances have been positive. But I just hope he keeps it going, man. Like we're really yeah. at the point here where where we're starting to see a special player come out of a show. And and it's not just us. Like, obviously, we're Americans, and we're going to be extremely biased. But Lampard came out after the game, and he honestly said that he expects Pulisic to, to get to the point where he's involved in as many goals as the likes of Salah, Sterling, and Mane. Like, those yeah. were our manager's words. And, and to add, like, fuel to that sort of fire, I actually caught ESPN – does a thing where they get American soccer players and they ask them tough questions like A or B. And they asked him, you know, outlaw, American outlaws are the yellow wall, like that sort of question that puts him on the spot. And one of them was as simple as goals or assists. And I fully expected him to say assists because like I said, pre-Chelsea, that's what I thought he was as a player. But he like confidently said goals. Like he'd rather be the one scoring. So as much as he is the quiet guy, apparently in the locker room and all that, like he's got that it factor where he'll put the responsibility on himself. I mean, he carries the men's national team and it's crazy to just see that the leap from that to currently carrying the offensive load for Chelsea. The thing I like with him is he doesn't get carried away in the moment. He scores his goal. He pumps his fist. He turns around and he's rallying the troops immediately. Oh, come That's... on. He slid on his knees and screamed, let's fucking go. Yeah, then he turned <laughs> was around and said, come on, boys. That was amazing. Like, if you kept watching so him, hot. the second he stood up, come on, boys, and he's right back into the middle of the pitch. Like, they, they, like he wants to kick the ball off. Like, and, and this is the thing. And, I, Andres, this is, I think, what you're getting at is he has that killer instinct now. That was the question mark surrounding him. We knew he could be that guy to provide, and you touched on it last week when you, when you talked about his Borussia Dortmund days. But now he's actually scoring goals at the club level, not just the national team level. And you know, it, it, this is much different than him scoring goals against you know um, Concacaf sides. Right. I don't want to mm -hmm. name specific countries, but I think we could name some of the countries that he scored goals against, where you know my grandma could probably nab a goal if she wanted to. But this is this is the top level against probably the best keeper in the league, if not one of the best in Europe, against the best manager in Europe, 
one of the best teams. I mean, City was my favorite to win a Champions League going into this year. So these are no mugs by by any stretch of the imagination. And it's just you almost run out of words to say, like as an American, I'm running out of words to say, but it's just nice to see that he's getting the respect and love from everyone else that was asking those questions of him. And that now they're actually looking at him as a footballer and not just as the American that Chelsea bought. And, and the thing is that wasn't his only chance, you know, in the second half, he had a, he should have had a second goal. I mean, okay. That, that five minute period or it was like five, four minutes period was probably one of the most insane and intense five minutes of football I've watched in so long. Like I was screaming, like I could, I literally could not believe what I was seeing. First, that Pulisic, uh, you know, the 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 goal line save by Kyle Walker. I mean, that was just like inches, inches. And I mean, I gotta give you know, tip my hat to Kyle Walker. That was a great play. No, and then four, yeah, four minutes later. <laughs> Uh, Willian, you know, battles down the right flank, through a foul, gets himself in a crossing position, pinballs around, you know, and just it, it just bounces back and forth. First off Pulisic, then off keeper, and then off Tammy, and you know, it looks like you know Tammy is getting he, he he goes insane after it. Think you know, I thought like he was saying the goal, the ball passed the line, and, and I'm saying all right, that's typical striker getting mad, wanting the goal, like that's fine, you know. And then shows the replay. Fernandinho clearly slapped the ball out of the goal. I could, I, I had no idea when I saw it initially. And after the replay, I was like, "VAR, give us that! That's a handball! <laughs> give us it!" And I didn't, I didn't know that they were actually reviewing it. But I mean, like the, the ultimate, just like insanity of that moment. <laughs> and then, thank God, William slaps it into the back of the net. Uh, oh my god i mean to take the lead i mean because you know the whole the whole narrative behind the match obviously going in was you know a loss or a draw for city means that liverpool wins it all so they're they don't care about who wins if they're if they're at a draw right now liverpool gets the title but that's not what we're worried about we want the win so going up 2-1 after that oh my god i mean what a result like, so deserved so deserved I mean, it was, was probably it was probably one of the crazy. Like, do you guys remember a more intense moment? Like maybe the Ajax game this this year, but uh, I mean that was just unbelievable. That that five minutes, I literally tweeted like, "This is some sort of cruel joke that God is like putting up on us." Like, <laughs> we are at its finest. This is all happening inside of the box. Like all the chances inside the box, and. Then the VAR came out. I was like, okay, he was playing a joke. Like, it was just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I know our finishing is bad, but Jesus Christ. Like, at I that was point, worried. Yeah, I, point, I, I like, had flashbacks to, like, previous matches where it's like, we could not fucking finish. And it's like, right. our luck, it, come on. Exactly. I thought, okay, this is typical Chelsea. We didn't score here, and City's going to go back and get one chance. Like, out of nowhere and score it. But luckily, VAR is a thing now, and it it was it came to the rescue. And yeah, Fernandinho, that guy. Honestly, you guys know I don't usually say it, but fuck that guy. Anytime he plays Chelsea, <laughs> like Fernandinho, is a straight prick. Like, of course he was the guy that was gonna slap the ball out of the goal. Like nobody a... else on the pitch would have done that. Same yeah. guy that tried choking Fabregas. Like, 
it, he's got to be the most carded player since arriving to City between City and Chelsea matches. He's just that kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, he could fuck off. I I, I never liked him. But um, the one thing that or, – or, or the one thing that we kind of like didn't really talk about is um, what's their names um, winning the asterisk trophy. What's the name of the trophy again? The Premier League trophy. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 that one. Um, so, yeah, they won. But we, we should really get something – for for winning all these teams titles guys like this is it's we, getting to the point where it's ridiculous we do so the, that's a funny thing i don't know if you guys saw the memes but we so whenever the gerard slip happened man city clinched the league man city won the next season chelsea won the league then when we drew tottenham to clinch for leicester the next season we won the league now we just helped liverpool what's going to happen next. Ooh, yeah. The fourth fourth time in the last six seasons where we decided the Premier League champs as well on top of that. So uh, added those two things together, I think Premier League titles guaranteed for next season, right? Is that <laughs> what we're saying right now? <laughs> you heard it here first. With And you add Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech. Right. They're obviously part of what's Not Ben Chilwell. Oh, <laughs> Uh, quick, we, we'll, we'll get to him next. We're about to talk about Leicester. Are we gonna Are we gonna congratulate Liverpool? No. Come on. No. no. Come on now. No. I will say you... this. I will say I... this. I will say this. They were a very good team this season. Yeah. <laughs> I'll oh, say listen. that much. Good. Okay, I'm. I'm ha- and I'm happy for their fans. Broke. I'm happy for their fans. No. See, that's the only people I'm not happy for. Yeah. Why? Exactly. <laughs> I'm happy. On. Here's kind of like where I'm at. I'm happy for Klopp. Good, yeah. good on Salah. You know, I, I don't really hate any of their players besides Jordan Henderson. Um, oh, and Dejan Lovren. I can't stand Dejan Lovren. He just pisses. He runs his ma- dude. This guy what made? This guy played in a World Cup final and forgot that he lost. Like it's out of yeah. Fuck nah, that guy. But but look. I, I'm I'm happy for Klopp. I think it's well deserved. Like the best managers deserve to win the best trophies, and like we we'd all be very very ignorant to not say he was the best manager. So they all won. Right. They so won congratulations to Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, Fuck FA off. Cu- <laughs> <And> congratulations. <laughs> FA Cup quarterfinals uh, against Leicester. This is a full strength Leicester side as expected. Uh, we lined up 4-3-3, Kepa and goal, Reese James, Rudiger, Zuma, and Emerson, uh, the, meaning the back line. So Zuma and Emerson, the new additions. Oh, and Reese James also. Uh, midfield of N'Golo Conte, Mason Mount, and Billy Gilmore. Awesome, awesome start. I, I had a little feeling that he would. Surprised, again, no Kovacic, no Jorginho, but we'll get into that. And then a front three of William, Tammy, and Pulisic. So again, rotation as expected. Those you know, Reese James, Emerson, you know, Billy Gilmore coming in, uh, Tammy with the pace up front. I think that was a necessary uh, rotation. But I mean, what were you guys' thoughts on again not seeing Jorginho? I mean, obviously last time or against the in the Villa match that was because of suspension. But two matches in a row where we don't see Jorginho in the starting lineup and. Yeah. And I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I I thought it was a done deal, like that he was going to be in this lineup. 
not once did I think, oh, yeah, Jorginho might not play. I thought the City lineup made it quite clear that he would play today. Or not today, this weekend. And, I mean, I thought that was shocking. The other thing that caught my eye was that Rudiger was lined up as the right center back, even though he's been playing this whole season as the left center back. So I don't understand the necessity for that whatsoever. And, of course, we had those weird moments between Zuma and Emerson where they just were not understanding each other whatsoever with passing. So I... I don't know. That that was kind of weird to me. But overall, we wanted to see Gilmore. Again, Mount maybe deserved a break, but everything else made sense to me. Like Reese, even Emerson starting, not once did I doubt, you know, blink at those decisions. Yeah. it. I forgot Emerson was a Chelsea player until I saw the lineup. Um. No, no, the lineup did make sense. I, I was actually, um, I was actually happy that Zuma got in. I really wanted to take a look at him. Um, and to be honest with you guys, um, I actually want to see after watching this match, I want to see Zuma partnered up with Christensen. Now, like I know he wasn't um, going up against you know the most aerially dominant uh striker and jamie vardy who's not known for his aerial like, like he could jump but he's not known for his aerial ability um but just the way he was able to shackle him all game and and he, he didn't get muscled off the ball once which is something that we kind of need back there we just need a little bit more strength i think maybe combining his strength with christensen's know-how and footballing brain might pay us divid might pay off in dividends if, if they get to start together eventually but the rest of the lineup was interesting. I, I honestly, you know, first glance, I thought Conte was going to be back at the eight. I didn't think he was going to be playing the six. Mm-hmm. Um, I was happy that he played the six instead of the eight. And, you know, kind of going into uh, Billy Gilmore, um, seeing him at the eight made me realize more and more that I think the only way he'll be able to develop as a player and maybe the best way for him to develop is by playing in a deeper lying position where the play, where he doesn't necessarily have to worry about being in the middle of play, but um, having to play in front of him. Um, I just think it's easier for him to read the game that way, especially at his age. In, a, in an FA Cup quarterfinal, you know it's going to be tough. Um, you know, Let's not forget Leicester are third in the Premier League. They've been the third best team this season, and rightly so. So again, like no mugs. It's not a surprise that, you know, some of the young guys didn't necessarily perform as well as we wanted them to. But I think to kind of caveat that, I think Frank pretty much put a lid on any rumors of him being this, you know, Mourinho-esque senile old man that doesn't, you know, want to play the kids anymore. I think I, you know, Frank was really quick to say quick to say that they have bright futures at Chelsea. So um it's going to be interesting to see what happens as like as the season moves on. I honestly thought that Reese James would have, you know, pr- performed to some extent. I think I was more disappointed that he didn't perform than than Billy Gilmore though. Um for just sure. because I think I, I I think there's a need for Reese James to be in our lineup, but I think he could have a more immediate impact now as opposed to Billy Gilmore. We could afford to be a little patient with him just because of our depth at midfield minus Ross Barkley. That's a great point. And and also Reese James has had more experience with the team, so you kind of ex- expect him to be, you know, right. more ready for this kind of matchup. But I think your point as to like the need for 
uh, Reese James to perform at a high level versus the need for Billy. Like, we can definitely be more patient with Billy because we've got people who play the same position as him, same role uh, that we can. But the right back, I mean, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, obviously we have Dave at the right back, but ideally we could move Dave to the left back, you know, and have – definitely our fullbacks are just – a, 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 a part where we need to improve on but i mean realistically yeah. i mean i'm looking at marcos alonso's numbers I'm, I'm not gonna like start anything but like in matches that he's played so he's played in 13 i'm talking this is just premier league uh so he's played in 13 matches he hasn't played in 18 matches okay so in those 13 matches he did play we have an 85 percent win percentage and in the matches he doesn't play, we have a 28% win percentage. Uh, we score more goals per game when he's in. We concede less goals when he's in. I mean, it's it's not a small sample size, you know. This is half a season with, half a season without him. Uh, and the numbers are really, I mean, obviously I'm not going, you can't give everything, you know, like just make your full decision on whether he's good or not based on those numbers. But like, I think he is effective, and I think that if we do end up, you know, missing and swinging with left backs, and hopefully we don't overspend on on Chilwell, I think that if we play all of next season with Marcos Alonso, it wouldn't be the end of the world. <laughs> it wouldn't be the end I, of the world. I'm it, not saying don't. I'm not saying don't go after anyone because we have Marcos Alonso. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying if we, you know, strike out with all of these other players that we're rumored with. And we don't go after Chilwell. We don't overspend for him, which I'm hoping we don't. I'd be okay with Marco Alonso. And then it, uh, the backup, I mean, Emerson is just uh, non-existent at this point, it feels like. Right. Those numbers with Alonso, I think we've been so critical of him because under Sari last season, where everything was supposed to be, you know, pre-programmed, he was always the the cog that messed it up. And then he would be too far forward and not get back. I don't know if it's the the more freedom under Lampard that has made him uh, better, or or maybe just the fact that we are linked to a left back every single week, and he's like, well, I'm not going to lose my spot, you know, and and kind of puts a fire on him. But true against the big leagues, we've had Alonso start, and we've been winning those games. Uh, like you said, the numbers don't lie and and we need to apologize to alonzo big time because aesthetically yeah he's not your typical left back he's not as quick his he makes bonehead plays erratic. too you know yeah yeah, yeah. His, his his again his cro- crossing is erratic but something works he has a magical left foot simple as that something works yeah. with alonzo on the pitch but i, I wanted to go back to reese james and and you guys are talking about why we're so critical of him and right now and it's because so far this season, he never gave us reason to think otherwise. Like, not he hadn't put a foot wrong until Project Restart. And it's it's weird. It's disappointing to be serious because we, before, again, before Project Restart, to all of us, it was a done deal that he's going to start every game moving forward i was saying he was our most talented youngster that we have and i and i still and i still believe that naturally naturally gifted i think he's the best natural footballer and and again like his performances were good he was bringing something to the table that wasn't there before and i don't know if it's the 
the lack of not professionalism. That's not the right word, but just he is a younger guy. So maybe he just didn't take care of himself in terms of keeping his mind and body ready for, for soccer or football shape. And Aspilicueta on the other end, who's like the most professional player in this whole team. His quads are bigger than ever. So yeah, it's one of those (laughs) things where I wanted Reese James to re-earn his spot. But now, like we just talked about Emerson, I'm not even wasting my time on him. But right now, Aspilicueta and Alonso are the clear starters since Project Restart. And and it's really disappointing for me for Reese James to to come out and just be blah. And that's me being nice because he was awful. Um it's in fair this game. to it's fair to criticize him, I think, at this point. You know, it's, it's yeah. not, I don't want anyone to take this as us saying, all right, Reese James has lost it, you know, like this this is what he's going to be the rest of his career. No, no, no. We have to call it, call it how, how it is. Right. Like we got to call it how it is. We don't know what the reason why he's playing like this, but he hasn't, he hasn't looked good since the restart. Right. He has It's hasn't. not an anomaly guys. Like this isn't something completely unusual for a young player to go through. Um, That's true. Yeah. Th- he's just in bad and, form. And, and I said it last week, like, even though we look at these guys and we go, Oh, well, well, you know, they've been playing consistently for most of the season. But at the same time, like some of them aren't even 20 years old yet. So, you know, not even that we had a three month break. That's a preseason. Usually you have a three month break. You come back to practice, you play five friendlies and then you play a competitive match. Like, Like, yeah, about six weeks of like, yeah. So at the end of the day, these guys came back from a three week, three month break. And we're told you have a week to get ready for the rest of the season. Yeah, this doesn't this doesn't excuse the bad performance, but it does mess with the the form that they were in. Now, Zach, I want to completely disagree with you about Billy Gilmore. He yes, he succeeded at the six uh, earlier when we were playing the Regista style. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's his only position. Billy was brought in to be an eight, if not a ten. That's what he was supposed to be an Iniesta like. Like that's the 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 dream is for him to get to that sort of player where he is finding the final pass and he is getting to himself in a position where he's setting up the forwards or the wingers to then be the scorers. Mm-hmm. If anything, I mean he he scored a brace against QPR playing what I now think he was playing was the eight, the, the attacking eight. Yeah. I no, think no, no. Lester is just Lester's a headache to us. I mean, we yeah. we drew Lester twice this season, and arguably both times we shouldn't have beat them. They need they they needed a result against us. Lester has been in awful form. They have had a decent again showing against us so far this season. It is easy to pick on the young guy, and I think that yeah, he he was maybe just a little too naive. In his in his, in his passing, right? He had his moments. Don't get me yeah. wrong. There was plays, at, like I mentioned, in our in our Discord channel. I go, well, he's gonna be the first sub, and then the next ten minutes, he was doing well, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah. Simple as that. Especially after the two performances where he won back to back man of the match. Now, Mason Mount was the other midfielder, and he just looked exhausted. So I have zero complaints. I just think he ran out of gas. And when you're tired, your decision-making is out the window. So, 
yeah, your brain's not getting enough oxygen and all that. Like he was, I, I'll I'll give him a pass, especially based on his other matches so far. I, I, I was I was half also. I mean, yeah. Well, Frank talked about it. He said the passing wasn't quick enough, the movement wasn't quick enough, too many touches on the ball, and apparently he told a few, or apparently he told the whole team that they weren't good enough to wear the shirt, something along the lines of that. Yeah. And I fucking loved that from our manager, like especially from him where no one where literally nobody in that dressing room, even the guys that are on their way out are not looking at him going like, yeah, fuck off. Like, no, that guy's won everything. So when someone like that says you're not good enough to wear the shirt, you're probably not good enough. And, and I think they responded to that. But Andres, I, I want to defend my Billy Gilmore point really quick. I wasn't saying that he's only going to be useful at the six moving forward. I just said right now, while he's still a little bit naive, because all of his passing in this match was forward. And we didn't really see that much when, when he was playing the six. He was playing really narrow passes to the other midfielders, but he wasn't really spreading it wide to the wingers as much as he was to the fullbacks. I just think that having a little bit more space and that and the comfort of two other midfielders in front of you to start, maybe to just to get the ball rolling again, might be the best option for him. So I don't think it's a bad idea to maybe limit him to only playing a deeper role just for the remainder of this project restart, quote unquote. And then once he gets that momentum back, sort of what we saw um, before this you know, whole COVID nonsense even happened, then you could start to push him up the pitch and start experimenting with him playing at the 8 or the 10. But right off the bat, he just looked like he was way off the pace. And all of his give- – he had two giveaways, I believe, and it was the first 10 minutes, my notes mm-hmm. say. And both of those giveaways were off of forced forward passes where there were other options behind him. And and I think that's where playing at the six could come in handy. It could sort of ingrain that habit of maybe starting with the safe ball and then growing into the game as opposed to just looking for that killer ball right off the bat. All right, let's move on because, uh, I mean, we talked about it, you know, Frank's halftime speech. He told the squad that was one of the worst halves of football he'd ever seen them play. And like Zach oh. said, they were playing like they did not deserve to wear the badge. Uh, and uh, so the, he made three subs at halftime. So he brought on uh, Dave for Reese James, Kovacic on for Billy Gilmore, and uh, my boy Ross the Boss uh, on for Mason Mount, who ended up being the saving grace for us. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not even going to be sarcastic. I mean, this guy's the king of the FA Cup. It's just a different <laughs> different player in the FA Cup, it seems like, as opposed to uh, when he's in Champions League and he wants to step up and take a penalty. Uh, in the FA Cup, he actually does step up and score. I mean, it's been unreal. Uh, Is he that different in the FA Cup, though, Sam? Because he has been. If you look at the numbers, yeah. yeah. Score- Listen, he scores and then he reverts right back to where he was. There's sure. not even like a delicate like drop off where we're like, ooh, he's losing a little bit of sharpness. It's literally brilliant, like really, really, really good finish. That's not an easy finish. Mm-hmm. I I saw on Twitter people were saying, oh, he just stuck his leg out. Anybody would have no. That was a he that ball was dipping. Well. Right. That ball was yeah. dipping. It was very tough to judge, and and it was a great finish and a, a good great ball keeper. from William. Oh my god. Yeah. Like that like ball out of all of sick. those, after all of those terrible balls to get that one in. And the be- the best thing about that goal was, uh, I think it was uh, 
it was uh, Chilwell on the corner being basically playing being played with by uh, William and Dave just passing the ball back and forth. No one came over to help him, uh, mm-hmm. and he like just like you could see the frustration on his face. They kind of exposed him. I mean, I don't know if it was him necessarily or the system not really helping him out. But um, just going back to the subs, we got a question from at Chelsea Eric. Uh, he asked, would you be shitting bricks if you were Mount Gilmore or RJ? You know, after hearing that speech, you don't deserve to wear the badge and being pulled off. You know, does do you think that might shock their... Uh, I mean, I, I, I think not as much Mount, obviously, but Gilmore and RJ. You think that'll shock their confidence a little bit or... I, I don't know, shock their confidence, but in the moment, you better believe they shit their pants. Yeah. Like, apparently, this was the most irate that Lampard has ever been, and we've only seen Lampard either be happy or like mild-tempered. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of those things where you where you hear your parents say your full name, and you're like, oh god, like that's because <laughs> that you know the things that he described as being part of the worst half of football were the things that they were doing that through those three players. Reese yeah. James was extremely slow moving the ball. Billy's passes were not getting to the right guys. And same thing with Mount. His pass touches were sloppy. So the three guys that needed to come off did. So, yes, I would definitely be shitting my pants if the greatest Chelsea player is telling me that I don't deserve to wear a shirt and is benching me at halftime. In the moment, yeah, I would be. But right, like, in the moment, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the moment, I would be. But, like, right after the game, you know, he was really quick to say, like, I got – first he said, I got a lot of time for Ross. And then he spoke a little bit about um, Billy Gilmore and Reese James and, and talked about, you know, like, they're going to have great futures at the club and long careers at the club. So and, – and I, and I guess that's the thing I like about Lampard, in a way, is that he has the best of Mourinho, but he's figured out a way to, to use – all the good with Mourinho without using any of the bad. Because what Mourinho would have done is told everybody they weren't good enough, and then after the match, his press conference would have been about thirty, all of thirty seconds. But Lampard came, he sat down, he was blatantly, you know, honest and straightforward, and he kind of said it how it is. Like I, I think Lampard knows how to leave it on the pitch, at least the emotional part of the game, right. and that's something that he had to learn as a player. And that's something that a lot of like great managers like Mourinho never really played at a high level, never had that. And, and, and that's the edge that Lampard has over some of these other managers is that he can, he can compartmentalize the emotional part of the game and the actual logistical part of the game, like what, what his eyes are actually seeing. Um, and, and, and it's paying dividends. This is the second game in a row that we've won because of his substitutions. And, and and it's not the second it's not even the second game in a season. He's done this time and time again. And I think if there's mm-hmm. one thing to criticize him for as a manager, it's a starting elevens because he's been having to make these substitutions and they've been coming off. So Right. Know. Credit him credit him for being able to make the change, you know, and Very, not, not sticking to yeah. what he his initial decision was and being able to I think the six subs really helps him out, or five subs, but um we you know, never had a manager that that that's this adaptable to in-game situations ever. Yeah. I mean, last year with Sari, it was just like this guy was so stubborn with with his decision. So oh, things aren't working. Let me sub Pedro in for Willian and Barkley in for <laughs> Barkley Kovacic on for Kova. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> it's a meme of a sub at this point, but now it's like yep. actually <laughs> it's still happening. But you know, going back to subs, if 
in around the 75th minute, um, Pulisic came off a little bit wobbly. I mean, I thought I thought it was just a regular sub at first. He brought on RLC uh, to play on the wing again, uh, and I thought it was just a regular sub. But he, he went to go get his calf iced, um, and, and I got a little bit worried. We got a question from Jake Borkowski uh, at JR Bork. I think this is a first time question. No, this guy, no, he's, second time now. Second, second time, time. Yeah, yeah, right. Borkowski, what's up, man? He uh, he thinks that we're insiders. He wants to know if we have any inside information on the severity of Pulisic's <laughs> calf injury. Jake, I'm honored you think of us in that way, but unfortunately, we are not plugged into the club. Unless uh, there's something I don't know, Andreas, Zach, do you guys <laughs> do you guys have any insider uh, information? No, no, definitely not. Um. But but I mean we we, we kind of have to take into consideration like he did play three matches in a row so yeah. it's a, the, 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 it's not a surprise and it's I'm honestly not worried he'll probably come off the bench this weekend um, just so Lampard could give him like you know a full week or you know a full five days or so but but I mean, at we this point two days <laughs> no 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 I know but I'm saying like 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 he'll come off the bench you know he's not going to be starting. And and even right. at the weekend, I don't think he will either. Um, just you know, as as a precautionary thing. But yeah, I I mean, I told Jake on Twitter I'd look it up, even though I was very flattered by the comment. But Lampard after the game mentioned that it was tightness that he felt during the second water break, and they just decided it was probably best not to risk it at that point. Yeah. So. Zach mentioned it. He's played three games in a row. We have to take into account his last competitive game was pre-New Year's. And, yeah, I mean, he was barely practicing before coronavirus canceled – or not canceled, but postponed the season. And so, yeah, it's I think it's just a fatigue thing. And he has been our Project Restart MVP. So him and Mount are the two guys that are most likely to be cramping up right now. And so – yeah, I, I just think, you know, your body can only take so much. So I think they're just kind of protecting him so that we can prevent any kind of long uh, pause to his form again. You know what I think is is, is interesting? Sorry to cut you off some. But, like, it, it, mostly in American sports like the NBA, you see at the end of a match, LeBron comes off the last, like, two or three minutes. Lakers are up by, like, 20. Game's over. And he gets ice packs on both knees, his neck, his armpit, behind his earlobe, like everywhere. I mean, I mean, these guys get wrapped up in ice and nobody in the American media at least goes, oh, he's injured. Like if they saw that happen in England, they they would be calling out, you know, torn up meniscuses and ACLs and popped Achilles left and right but this is like completely normal he was you know, a little he humbled felt it, you know it's, it's but yeah, yeah it could, it could well, be it's, it's more likely cramps more than anything well if you've ever had a calf cramp it's literally impossible to walk without a wobble right. like like right. it's not one of those of things that you could just kind of like be a tough guy through because that's the only muscle back there so yeah you know like it, it, it's just a precautionary thing um Hopefully and, and I'm not gonna like look yeah. too much into it yeah I will definitely a tale of two halves. Uh, you know, after like Frank said, one of the worst <laughs> performances uh, that he's ever seen in the first half. We ended up with 52% possession, nine chances created, one more than Leicester. Onto the semifinals, they drew. They had the draw uh, halftime between in the City uh, Newcastle match. 
I don't know why they even put City or Newcastle as one of the balls. Like, we knew City was advancing. <laughs> and, of course, City, they get Arsenal, which, I mean, I can't believe Arsenal won that match. But anyway, and we get United to play for the fourth time this season. Um, I have not looked too good against them. Uh, they're the only side we have, we've we struggled against uh, every time that we've played them. And I'm just I'm just really looking forward to finally getting back at them. Uh, it's it's the match is not for you know a, c- a couple of weeks, so a lot of anticipation building up towards that moment. I'm really excited for that. Um, Hopefully, top four is settled by then. Yeah, yeah. If it's I mean, it it probably won't be, which will add to like the insanity of the end of the season because I mean obviously the matchup will have no implication as for like you know how they're going to finish in the premier league but still there's going to be a lot of animosity already you know between the two sides from before but adding that on top of it it's going to be an exciting match uh so the three matches since the beginning of project restart three wins only two goals conceded neither of them from open play conte has the the lone defensive mid without attacking aids uh the resurgence of dave and alonzo but no Jorginho. <laughs> I mean, it's it's actually bewildering bewildering to me. And uh Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, uh he is a hashtag my regista. This guy uh <laughs> loves Jorginho and he asked on Twitter, no J five again and us going five five and oh without him, do I start to cry in my pillow? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I think I think as each match progresses, the less we feel like we need him. But I wouldn't. I would. Like, we've we've felt this way. I feel like for a a while now. Like if we were able to sell him for a decent price, like I would be happy with that. Like I think that would be good business. And you know, Juventus just getting rid of Pjanic. I mean, obviously bringing in Arthur, but like. I think that has a very high possibility of something happening. I mean, what do you guys think? I It's crazy, man, because pre, again, pre-project restart, uh, Jorginho had gotten to a point where he had already turned away the whole sorry son thing. When Conte got hurt, Jorginho and Kovacic were super important. Conte returns, Jorginho is still more important. We talked about subs against Arsenal. We've tried playing a 3-4-3. It didn't work. Lampard brought Jorginho in. We won the game. It's it's shocking. It's shocking that three months of, of no football goes comes and goes, and Lampard decides to, to completely change our tactics. And I mean completely. We had not we had not done this whole deep DM thing. We had played a 4-2-3-1, and, and Jorginho was still getting minutes. Like, we have completely changed our identity since he last played, and it's working. It It is a little rough around the edges, but it's working. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So sorry, Ron. I think we need to start worrying for Jorginho, even though he is our vice captain, and that role was well deserved on his end yeah this that was that's what i was gonna say is like he's still our vice captain so 
I mean, we were talking in the beginning of the season where we were having debates between like him and Rudy, like who should be the or and William, like who should be the captain between those three guys. And I wasn't really too fussed with the people saying Jorginho. Now, Ron, you are gonna have to cry on your pillow eventually, I think, even though Arthur and Pjanic did um pass both their medicals. I I still don't think there's a long-term plan for Jorginho being in this Chelsea side. Um, I think the tactical switch is definitely paying off now. It's easy to say while we're winning games. I think we're really going to see how it works when we start losing games and people start getting injured. Um, But to me, what I'm seeing is Frank wants a side that's very athletic in the midfield, similar to the way Liverpool plays. Um, where the three players playing behind the attack, uh, the attacking three are just absolute workhorses. And yes, Jorginho does, you know, have a nasty tackle in him. He does get stuck in, but he's not quick. He's not very mobile and he's very one dimensional on the ball. He's not going to skip a couple tackles and carry the ball 15 or 20 yards. He's going to look for the simple pass and slow down play and control play. And I think Frank at times, um, he wants to speed things up like against man city. We wanted to hit them on the counter. Having a player like Jorginho in there doesn't make sense, you know, and, and I know people are going to pull the Fabregas references, but Fabregas played a ball over the top. Jorginho just doesn't. And, and that's one of my criticisms of him. And I, and I know they're a little different in terms of the way they play, but I think in that's partly the reason why he's not playing. It's just, it's very one dimensional with him. It very much is sideways and safe. And it is about setting a tempo as opposed to changing the tempo and flipping the game on its head, which is something that he's looking for. And the types of passes and the types of distribution that he needs from the number six position um, doesn't need a a specialist like Jorginho. Conte has has proven in the last three matches he's more than capable of doing that. So it's a tough one. And and to be honest, I'm going to hate to see him go. If he goes, when he goes, I don't know. Um... But me personally, I look at this team, especially next year with the additions we got, I I don't see a place for him. All right. Now we're going to move on to our Twitter questions. Uh, But before that, we just wanted to thank everyone who contributed. I mean, we had some of the usual suspects of the hashtag Rep Ultras, but a lot of new faces as well. So a friendly reminder, if you constantly engage with us online on Twitter, we'll actually add you. We have a... Hashtag Rep Ultra Chelsea Discord channel. So, uh, you know, we just chat and banter, all, you know, throughout the week, during matches also, but, you know, throughout the week um, with, with a lot of other fans. It's a great community. A lot of, we have a lot of fun. It doesn't cost you a dime. It's just a way for us to say thanks uh, for supporting us and helping our community grow. Um, and also, if you want. <laughs> We don't have any sponsors right now. Uh, so, you know, on Anchor, th- they ask me to say this. This is, you know, I'm, I'm being forced to say this. Uh, oh, but there's, okay. yeah, th- there, there's yeah. an opportunity for our listeners to support us directly by going to our, uh, our link on our Twitter, the Anchor link, and you can either choose to subscribe to us monthly, either 99 cents, $5, $10 a month, and if you guys really love us, you will do that. And if you don't, 
then <laughs> that's <won't>. okay. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. But uh, oh, uh, you, you, yeah. you forgot one important thing, though, Sam. Mm-hmm. You also forgot that they also get knighted by you as a rep ultra, and Ron, <laughs> yeah. and Ron. Yeah, yeah Ron well, is... well, 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 Ron always has to co-sign. Ron sure. is like this. Yeah, yeah. You got to get the co-signature from Ron for anything. The long story short, keep interacting with us. We don't do any like Patreon level discord, but if you are a constant listener and contributor, you do get added to like our match day chat, which was the highlight of my match versus Lester because that game was very forgettable. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was thinking of starting an OnlyFans. I don't know what you guys think. Is that a good idea? <laughs> Will there be nudes? If anyone, if any, uh, risky pictures, that's for sure. Uh, oh. I don't know guarantees on nudes. If anyone's oh, interested, Barkley. DM me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get to the first one. This one's from Nacho Fuentes. Shout out Venezuela. Uh, he says, I remember earlier in the season, we also had a pretty good win streak going, but then we entered a pretty bad run of form. Do you think this is something similar, or do you believe this is something more permanent? We have proven to be a pretty streaky team this season. Uh, Zach, I'll start off with you. What do you think? It's tough to tell, but the only thing that gives me hope is the five subs and extremely long water breaks that I thought were going to be beneficial, but I absolutely hate now. I mean, the water breaks have been helping us. Yeah, these are great for us. No, I, I, I know they're helping us, but they're just they're way too long. They're so long. If they're long as, enough as the fan, to the point where right? The, where the coaches, if it's if it's long enough to the point where the coaches could change their tactics, that's way too long. How is this answering this question? How is this answering the question? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I <laughs> but, think quickly. Zach I think that it isn't similar. I think that we have a very distinguished style of play, and it's been working even when it's ugly. So I think that this is actually more of a long-term solution. I mean, a kind of related question. We got one: the return of at black emoji. What's up, man? Uh, he says, the Liverpool match aside, Chelsea are expected to win their remaining league matches. Between our attacking impotence and uh, defensive frailty, wow, what a great vocabulary, which do you think is most likely to trip us up? So our remaining seven matches, uh, Ooh, I like this I, one. I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to say at or, or oh, home because it really doesn't matter at this point. West Ham, <laughs> Watford, Crystal Palace, Sheffield, Norwich, Liverpool, and Wolves. So, I mean, again, ruling out that Liverpool match, which I'm not going to rule out completely because I think we still have a decent chance of winning that. But are the six games, I mean, we're expected to win those, right? Like, do you think that we'll have that streak that Nacho's talking about where we lose to these sides we should beat? Or... Are we going to be seeing probably six or seven wins coming up in the next seven matches? I think we'll win against West Ham, Watford, Palace. Sheffield, it's a roll of the dice. They are just not the same. I don't know what's Mm -hmm. going on there. But at the same time, they do play. You know, West Ham, Watford, and Crystal Palace, you're going to expect two low, low block lines of four in the back four in midfield. But Sheffield plays that weird 3-4-3 that could trip us up, maybe. Or 3-5-2. They kind of vary it. But Norwich, they're they're going to be already relegated by then. Liverpool, if they've already earned the record for most points, that's not even something to worry about. 
And then if we take care of business ahead of time, I'm not going to stress about Wolves. So I think Sheffield, if we can get through Sheffield and then beat Norwich afterwards, we're in the clear. So yeah, Sheffield's the one match where I'm more hesitant to say it's an easy win. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Andres. I don't think it. I, I don't think looking at the full seven matches um, is the right way to be looking at it. I think if we could get through the first four, Sheffield included, so we got West Ham, Watford, Palace, and Sheffield. If we can get through those four matches. I think we'll be pretty locked in for a Champions League spot, or should be at least. Um, the one match out of those that I see us possibly tripping up is Watford, because. I mean, they beat Liverpool this year, and so 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 we know they have that ability to you know perform uh, in a big game, and they have the players that can hurt us too. So I don't know. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting to see how this like the rest of the season pans out. But honestly, if if we could pick up five out of these next seven, I think we'll be we'll be pretty locked in. We got a question, another question from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe. He says. Lampard has to be the manager of the year, right? I mean, he has wins, wins over Pep, wins against uh, Mourinho, win against uh, uh, Klopp. Klopp as well. I mean, the top managers in the league he's taken down. I'm not, I'm not counting Gunner, uh, old Gunner there because I don't think he's a top manager. But still, uh, I mean, it, it, he has a, he has a fair chance to be manager of the year, right? He'll be a finalist. There's I think no Klopp way. Gets it. Zero chance they don't give it to Klopp. I mean, yeah. the FA, whoever votes on this, like, we beat Man City, and yes, it is a huge deal that Liverpool wins for the first time in 30 years, and, and the Klopp project worked out, da 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 da. But the fact that we couldn't even get the post game interviews, like, in every single match because of that, just gives you an idea of what the media is going to do when it comes to these awards. So I, you can already see manager of the year is going to go to Klopp. Somehow player of the season is going to go to Jordan Henderson and no. so on. So I'll be so pissed. Yeah, I, I think I tweeted about this after that match against City. And it's like, yes, congratulations to Klopp. But Lampard, all the odds were stacked against him. Transfer ban. Um, Deadwood and his squad. No squad identity. No Eden Hazard, no proven goal scorers up front. And yet here we are, one point away from third place, going into an FA Cup semifinal, still technically still in the Champions League, and mm-hmm. we are second. Can you use that one still? We are. We're technically still in. We have another match. Yeah. Come on. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the other stat is like we're third in creating chances, but we're also second in missed chances, so we're <laughs> literally right behind City and and Liverpool in all the statistics. That's not, that's not Frank's With Werner fault. incoming, with someone no. that could score. No, no, a goal no. Or but, two. but but yeah. I think it is. But it is credited to Frank that we are yeah. creating those chances. Like exactly. he is asking the team to play that way. So just because we're not finishing, it's not on him. Yeah. But again, we have a. There is holes in our team left and right, but yet here we are. About to be in third place. I think so, Ron is just a huge Klopp hater. He's he's notorious <laughs> Klopp hater. He just does not like him. So Klopp is gonna. If he's if he if Ron has a vote, he'll be the sole vote for Lampard. I think. And it just can't. We're not gonna discredit the job he's done this year because he has done an amazing job. But 
I think it's Klopp for sure. What about a shout out to Chris Wilder? I was gonna say uh, that, but the out. new project restart, they're they're dropping and dropping mm. fast. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, if you got to put up with McBurney and Coldrick as your two strikers, I think you and you finish top half of the table. If you don't get relegated, you deserve manager of the year if that's your forward. <laughs> line. If if we're Shit. gonna give him a shout, Sean Dyche deserves it because he's ahead of Arsenal and tied with Tottenham in points with Burnley. Okay, mm. but 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 that's not saying much. <laughs> right. Okay, so <laughs> we got another question. This one's from at N Ward. Uh, he says, uh, "JT Lamps, Zola, Osgood, Chopper, Dixon, blah blah blah." He lists a bunch of legendary names. When you think of names like this, is Dave a club legend for Chelsea? If not, is he on a level just below club legend? And or is he on his way to being one? Zach, I'll start off with you. Is he a legend? Yeah. And, and, and I shouldn't have to explain myself. Yeah. I, look he's a he's a legend for the club he's not a footballing legend when i think of the best you know right backs or left backs of my time i he's he's definitely on my list because i'm a chelsea fan but i wouldn't consider him one of the all-time greats but he he's a legend for the club he, there's no doubt about that yeah i the only thing that people can argue about is that as captain he hasn't won yet but I mean, this guy was never supposed to be what he turned out to be. He was like an $8 million, $7 million signing out of Marseille that nobody knew about. And and he has made himself indispensable. I know, you know, because we do love Reese James a lot, we've talked about Reese James and it makes it seem like we don't respect Aspie. But at the end of the day, Aspie, I think, has the most assists this season, if not the second or most accurate crosses like the more like we we try to say oh Aspie's not an offensive guy and then he's racking up the offensive stats he's he scores the big goals for us when needed at times too yeah and the guy like bleeds blue like there is nobody like I, I read an article this week of what he was doing during corona as captain and reaching out to like every player in the in the squad making sure everybody has what they need to be able to stay fit and, and ready for the season. Like, yeah, this guy, I thought for a while he was like in that second tier, like where I consider maybe the likes of like Ivanovic, like almost a full yeah. legend, but not there. But yeah, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And, and he's just like Mr. Dependable. Well, well uh, put it this way. As as long as I've been watching Chelsea and like, I know it's not as long as, you know, some of our British listeners, um, he, he's been the most consistent player I've ever seen put on the kit. Like you, you never get less than a seven out of 10. And I, I, I can't even think of a nightmare that he had. I, I really can't. So he's a legend. And, 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 and that's exactly why he's a legend. If, if you if you only have good memories of him, then you then then he's a legend and and that's what i think of when i think of dave i never think of a poor performance i think of a seven out of ten you know exactly what you're getting every night and diego costa is also a legend in my book um, <laughs> forever and ever forever <laughs> and ever i love that man yeah. so let's go on to another next question another question from at n ward uh do you know what his first name is i don't know it's nick 
Is it Nick also? I don't know. Oh, no. I don't Something know. Ward. So, thoughts on the David Oliva rumors? Is there any possibility there, or are they just rumors? Andreas, I'll, I'll ask you because that's your boy. Man, I would love for it. Like, again, Koulibaly, the pipe dream. Oliva, I would say, I want to say slightly more realistic, but even then I don't believe it myself. I don't see him passing on Bayern. I don't see him passing on an extension. Simple as that. I, he's, I think he's one trophy away from winning the most Bundesligas along with Müller. Like they're tied with Ribery, but like I, I can't see them letting go of him after the season he's had for them. I think he covers two major needs for us, both at left center back and left back. So it makes perfect sense, but I don't know. I, I don't think we'll. I don't think we're clever enough for that transfer. Same page. It has nothing to do with how clever we are. I think it's just he's not leaving. Because we are. He's in clever. too good of just a situation. He's in too good of a situation. Two. Yeah. Exactly. He's got all the chips in his end. His agent is yeah. just trying to get a better contract at this point. He's already comfortable he's not, there. He's, yeah, yeah, he's got another year still. Yeah. So we got another question from. This is one of the most amazing interactions that we've ever had on Twitter. My boy <laughs> Rico. Okay, M- months ago, we got a one-off Twitter response from this guy named Rico. He said, I cannot, <laughs> at Roman's Empire, I cannot stand your guys' podcast. Why are you, you know, I can't listen to you guys. It's absolutely terrible. And we ignored him. And I was like, it's okay. That's fine. He's again, right, though. <laughs> we, aren't, <laughs> we aren't that good. And then again, yesterday, he, he comes out of nowhere and talk some more shit about us which is um, which is hilarious I, I i don't actually get offended by it i thought it was funny but but like he said i'm never listening to you again but clearly he listens because a couple months in between the two tweets and he's the only one really who's been talking trash so we went back and forth and he actually ended up asking a question which is amazing i think he's giving us a second chance i think he'd get along third. with shame yeah he get, yeah he gave us a third chance i guess <laughs> get along with uh, yeah he would get along <laughs> with shamus for sure this guy gives us a lot of shit but that's mostly uh he was in but... check it's a good thing I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a shout out to rico dope. uh shout out where, to rico where is he from again i saw in his uh, twitter bio but anyway i'll, I'll say it but he he says, "What do you think Mateo's role should be next season?" Obviously, Kovacic, uh, Andreas. I'll I'll start off with you because you are the leader yeah. of the Kova crew. Yeah, hashtag Kova crew, baby, ride and die. So, I think it's gonna come down to what happens with this whole. If we don't get Kai, I think Kovacic has to be still a, a main contributor to this new system, attacking eights. I know. You don't think of him as a attacking force, but he is our player of the year, and he's one of the most versatile guys we have in this midfield. If Conte's sweeping, I, I mentioned that Conte's quickness in decision-making isn't quite there. So if you have Conte and Mount just being relentless in, in their pressing, and you put that kind of decision-making on, on Kovacic, that brings great balance to our midfield. I think that for now, he he should be a starter next season. Again, with Conte playing behind him, if, if we keep this system, because he can dribble out of pressure. We're getting, you know, completely bum-rushed by the teams like Leicester and, and City. 
And he's also, he has that pass. And I don't know it's, if it was a limitation in our previous system, but at the beginning of this year, he was putting these long weaved through balls that now with Pulisic on the left and even more exciting next season when Werner and Ziyech are also going to be on the receiving end of those, I think Kovacic's skill set will be very much needed. Plus, he's really good at link-up with those kind of skill players. So I still think he has a very important role on this team. He's the glue. I I, I think he, he's that player that just does everything really, really, really well. And obviously, you know, he's a lead at, at passing, um, uh, keeping possession and running at defenders. I think he has the highest take on completion percentage in Europe's top five leagues for a midfielder, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I know for a fact he's in the top three. Um, but yeah, I, I just think he's the glue. Um, he does everything um, that you would want a number eight to do. The only question mark is, you know, if we do stick with the system, um, he's not going to be playing a deeper role as much with Conte there. So, you know, there's he needs to add goals to his game. Um, I think if he if he wants to be a week in week out starter for Frank, because Frank is very willing to change the lineup and change the personnel based on who we're playing. Right. Um, and 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 Kovacic has been used sparingly, and, and like we said, even in this podcast, it's kind of unusual how he's not starting every game. He's our best mid, you know, he's been our best midfielder this season. Um, but just looking forward, I think if he doesn't contribute those goals and assists, which I personally don't think he will, otherwise he'd still be at Real Madrid. Um, he'll be used as a player uh, that we that we need to control games, um, or he'll be used in matches that we need to control. Um, you know, matches like Man City or, you know, Champions League against Barca or a Bayern where we're going to be sitting back and, and defending most of the match. I don't think he's of use. Um, but then, you know, looking at games where we need to control the pace and the tempo and, you know, find that killer ball or, or you know, maintain pressure in the final third. He's perfect for that. So. It'll be interesting. But if you ask me honestly, week in and week out, he's in my starting 11 if I'm the manager. But that's just me personally. And another thing is Barkley has been saying in this new system, it's instructed to get into the box. And I don't think he's ever been in a role, not because he can't do it, but just because it's not been asked of him to do that. Because at Real Madrid, the three midfielders hang out outside the box. You don't see Kroos or Modric making that late run or, or the give and go to get themselves into the box. That, that's that very strange. Yeah. So it's, we don't know. We don't know. He, he scored a couple of more goals this season than he had before. So it's just, we don't know. We, he has the skills that he almost scored against Aston Villa, like a, a volley. I'm not saying he's going to drop 10, 10, but I still think his skill set is needed. And next season where we're going to have more finishers, Hell, maybe he'll just rack up the assists. Yeah, if he sco- if he ever scores ten goals in a season, I will actually be shocked. I'll be very genuinely surprised. But that that's not what we're asking from him. Uh, so normally we get about five or six questions from one of our one of our favorite listeners, Nick Lenartson. Uh, but the last couple of weeks, uh, 
every time we've posted on Twitter, I guess due to the time difference, he's been asleep and wasn't able to see it. And every time he sends his questions right after we're done recording. So this week he went ahead of time and he asked a bunch of questions. But the thing is, none of them are questions. So <laughs> I think I think we're just going to do this segment. It's called Quick Thoughts with Nick Lenartson. Uh, so I'm just going to read what he tweeted at us. One. Lampard subs mastery. Yes, we discussed that. Aspie, Barkley, and Kovacic's impact. How how could we not talk about Barkley? Pulisic gets the hazard treatment, as he should. Willian playing for the badge. Hopefully this is his last year, but he does he does represent us well. Alright, a couple more thoughts. He says unleashing Kova and having Conte as the DM, you can even have Barkley on the pitch. Barkley scored, okay, but we could have had two or three more goals if he would have made better final third passes or passing the ball at all. Yeah, I agree. Barkley does <laughs> not – he doesn't do much. Like he, he, needs at least three or four t- he needs at least three or four touches on the ball every single time he touches it, and it pisses me off. Not playing Jorginho makes me wonder what is cooking. <laughs> I would love to see him stay at Chelsea for a couple more seasons, use him in Conte's DM. Kova, Mount, Gilmore, RLC can rotate in front of any of those. So he loves Jorginho as, as a number one midfielder. Not good enough for the Chelsea badge. That's quite a statement from Lamps, although I totally agree. Our midfield was suffering big time, and we need to do that change. All right. That was quick thoughts with Nick Lenartson. No questions. Again, I'm let me pretty remind sure you. that makes up for like the two or three weeks that we didn't answer <laughs> I his know. question. It might have it might have been a little long, but we owe it to him. Uh, I think he just really likes shout it when we when we Alex when we talk. Seb. Well, yeah, shout out to Alex and Seb. I think he really likes it when we talk about him on the podcast. So <laughs> there yeah. you go, Nick. And that's fine. All right, quickly, let's go on to uh, finish up the episode talking about this West Ham preview, another London derby. Uh, Right now they're sitting 17th, just out of the relegation zone, but they're tied with Bournemouth and Villa, who are the two teams behind them, only ahead of them by goal difference. They've lost five of their last six matches. Um, I forget who their only win came against, but I mean Zach Southampton, Southampton, right? Zach, I mean, what what are you expecting to see from this uh, West Ham team? It's gonna be really weird to watch a a London derby against West Ham without, you know, hearing or um, seeing all over your newsfeed about hooligans going at it or fans going at it. They have been really bad this year. Like not just bad, but, but, but like they had to call in David Moyes for reinforcements. So that should kind of tell you everything you need to know about them going in. Um, and, and to be honest, I just don't see like how the, how they're going to threaten us in the game. Um, so, so I think it should be comfortable. If we can put the ball in the back of the net, we need one in the first half. I think that's something that's like really clear with this Chelsea team. If we can nick one in the first half, Frank will make the necessary changes in the second half, and it should be relatively comfortable from there on out. So I'm going to go uh, – I'll, I'll say 2-0 I'll say Chelsea. Ah, man, that's not it. It's Here's how it's going to go, because apparently, apparently, the solution to all of our center back problems is Declan Rice at left center back. <laughs> so if that's the case, if Declan Rice lines up in the back line for West Ham, we're not winning this game. 
But since I know that's not the case because he only did that twice all year, I'm saying three nothing. I think I think we're seeing the team click. I think that uh, you'll have the stronger eleven again because it is a Premier League game. So Aspie and Alonzo again, you, you'll want Alonzo to get up and, and take shots. Uh, Pedro, I think, will make an appearance, and much like William. I think that they're coming out with kind of a surprisingly the opposite that I expected a chip on their shoulder uh, just to prove whether it's to William to us to extend them and then Pedro to Roma who just signed him that they still got it. Um, I just think that our, our guys are motivated and, and they know what's at stake. So yeah, I, I think things are going to just fall for us and, and get three wills. Oh, uh. Three nil. Some. I like I like that prediction. I, I'm I'm rooting a little bit for West Ham just because I'm worried about them their financial state. I mean the amount of money that they've spent the last two seasons. I think they spent around two hundred fifty million dollars. Four two hundred fifty million. I think yeah, U.S. dollars. I'm looking at right now, uh, on players. And if they get relegated, oh man, that would be a disaster. I mean I don't know what how they're gonna suffer. They're gonna rebound from that. Um, so I they mean, should obviously... be in a way better spot than they like. Like if your front three is Sebastian Aller, Fornals, and Felipe Anderson, you should be in like a safer position, like somewhere hovering around like twelfth, tenth. I think they're Not definitely 17. the most disappointing team this season, as far as like what what I think that they could have done this season, and the fact that they're yeah. they're in the relegation fight only ahead by couple goal differential i mean that's just no, that's not gonna make it uh, i yeah. like i like when we go to london stadium it's always a fun fun match matchup but i think uh i'm with andreas it'll be closer to a 3-0 victory than a 2-0 victory in my opinion uh but we'll see i i, I think nacho brought up great points in his questions about you know having good runs uh, you know, good win streaks, good runs during the season, and then just really absolutely shitting the bed against bad teams. And obviously, you know, we we say this every time we play a relegation side, they have a lot to play for. So, you know, you always have to take that into account. But I think I think we handedly uh, finished them off, especially just because of the form that we've been in. Uh, and as Zach mentioned earlier, I don't think Pulisic will get a start. I mean, I'll be surprised if we see him at all. But um, you know, which which might be a little bit concerning because he's been our main goal scoring threat. But um, I I'm interested to see and what we'll be able to do without him. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I mean, guys, this was a monster of an episode. Great um, question shot- from the listeners. Yeah, so shout out to all the Rep Ultras as always. You guys are amazing. Um, shout out to all the new listeners uh, that tweeted at us. It was uh, it, th- I don't think we've ever had this many questions uh, before a podcast. So like this is awesome. I'm so glad we were able to fit fit them all in, and um, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully next time around, you lovely listeners will decide to ask us more. So um, until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.